0: Good afternoon, this is Dr. Dan Guerra. I come to you from Authentic Biochemistry Studios in the inland Pacific Northwest. Today is the 7th of May, 2021. Now, I want to follow real quickly this lecture from the one I left yesterday. And we were talking about endocytic pattern recognition receptors. And so I will refer you back to the lecture yesterday uh, as an introduction to that particular topic. Um, Basically, we're looking at recognition receptors and patterns within uh, molecular architecture because this is one of the components that's necessary to build an understanding of how biochemical communication at the level of genetic and epigenetic modifications linked to the immune system, help control the overall sculpting of the central nervous system, all the way from in utero and throughout the rest of the human's life. And then how malfunctions in that regulation in either the immune system or in mutations and genes that are associated with neurons in the CNS can lead then or spark an immune response, typically with the resident microglia, um, that can can then either enterprise a phagocytic state or start inducing the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines or signaling molecules like chemokines, which can then trigger the mobilization of T lymphocytes across the blood-brain barrier and also B lymphocytes. And particularly, it is the T-memory cells, which have T-cell receptors, which are no longer uh, under the control of the RAG recombinases, but are triggered by previously encountered antigens, some of which have close molecular mimicry to self-antigens. And when there are corruptions in this immune response, uh, based primarily on microglial interactions with the neurons, this can result in antigen presentation that may induce an autoimmune response in the brain, ultimately leading to neurodegeneration because of T memory cell activation um, from some latent antigen with a similar molecular repertoire. So you can see how patterns play a major role. Now, there are pattern recognition receptors, and that's what I've been discussing um, in the last lecture, and that's what we're going to get into now. So as a very quick recap, recall that there are at least two functionally different major classes of pattern recognition receptors, the endocytic and then the signaling. And the endocytic pattern recognition receptors are found on the surface of phagocytes, like microglia, and they promote the attachment of microorganisms to the phagocyte, leading to the subsequent engulfment and destruction of that particular invading pathogen. Now, that's canonically and classically how they operate. And I told you there are mannose receptors, scavenger receptors, such as a CD36, <coughs> opsonin receptors, which we left you with last time. And we were talking about the fact that you have uh, pathogen-associated molecular patterns on microbial surfaces, and that's where we are right now. And I, I mentioned to you that gram-positive cellular envelopes, for example, have lipotachoic acid, tachoic acid, and also, of course, lipopolysaccharide. So all of which connect as antigens recognized by pathogen uh, recognition receptors. So the fourth type of endocytic pattern receptor is the N-formyl-MET. Now, N-formyl-methionine is, of course, the first amino acid on proteins produced in bacteria. And so that f trna in bacteria has an anticodon complementary to the AUG-start codon. And that's actually why there is an N-formyl-MET on the amino terminus of bacterial proteins, just so you know that. Now, this form of amino acid isn't typically seen in mammalian proteins, of course, and so you have n formyl receptors called FPRs and FPRL1, which is, of course, the name for the ligand, and you find these on neutrophils and macrophages in the macrophage lineage, including microglia, resident CNS. So the binding of the informal MET to its receptor promotes the motility and the chemotaxis of those phagocytes, and of course promotes phagocytosis, thus leading down the innate immune pathway. So we're not going to talk more about that right now. We can later. It's a fascinating subject. Now I want to talk about signaling pattern recognition receptors. These bind a the number of microbial metabolites, such as lipopolysaccharide and peptidoglycan, tachoic acids, I just mentioned to you, for example, gram positive bacteria. But they also recognize flagellins, hylins, and unmethylated cytosine guanine dinucleotides, or CPG sequences, from bacterial and viral genomes. Lipotachoic acid is, of course, another, and glycolipids, and zymosan. Also, uh, as I was saying, of course, is produced from fungi. Also, double-stranded viral RNA can turn on signaling pattern recognition receptors, also known as SPRRs. Okay, sorry for all the acronyms, but this is authentic biochemistry. And you can, of course, play this back. And I'm, hopefully, I'm articulating this well enough that you are able to just immediately remember it. Now... <clears throat> Certain single-stranded viral RNAs can also uh, activate the SPRRs. So you have a binding of a microbial pattern-associated molecular, uh, uh, excuse me, pathogen-associated molecular pattern to the uh, PRR, right, to the pathogen receptor uh, or, or uh, uh, the PRR itself promotes the synthesis and secretion of intracellular regulatory molecules. And when that occurs from that uh, pattern recognition receptor, you get cytokines produced. And of course, those are going to be absolutely crucial to initiating the innate immune response, which will then turn on the adaptive immune response. And that, of course, will bring in the lymphocytes. So... Signaling PRRs, okay, pattern recognition receptors, are found on the cell surface. There's a series of signaling pattern recognition receptors known as the TLRs. These are toll-like receptors. So this is gonna be the feast for today's lecture. So TLRs are found on the surface of a variety of defensive cells, and in fact, even in a lot of other uh, host cells. And the TLRs play, and we talked about these exhaustively in lecture all over last, uh, late last summer and early last autumn, if you recall. Uh, So go back and listen to those lectures. But if not, it's okay, because we're bringing them up again. Now, these TLRs play a major role in the induction of the innate immune response. And of course, they contribute to the induction then of the adaptive lymphocytic immune response. Binding of a microbial PAMP to its TLR or any PRR pathogen uh, recognition receptor again will transmit a signal to the host cell nucleus, inducing the expression. It's going to be a molecular signaling pathway inducing the expression of genes coding for the synthesis of intracellular regulatory molecules, which, when they were first described, was the name for cytokines. So the cytokines, in turn, bind to their receptors after they're secreting, because remember, these are going to be glycoproteins, so this go through the secretory pathway, and they're going to bind onto other defensive cells, right? Usually innate and also, of course, the lymphocytic. Now, differential combinations of TLRs appear in different cell types, and they can occur, of course, in pairs. And the different TLRs directly or sometimes indirectly then will bind to different microbial epitopes, okay, which are going to be either shed or going to be generated via phagocytosis from a previously recognized pathway uh, and one that we just mentioned and talked about. So the signaling PRRs are found in the membranes of the endosomes, also known or usually most commonly frequently named as phagolysosomes in this particular uh, molecular microbiology literature. So the endosome that also plays as the phagolysosome, of course, is going to degrade pathogen or pathogenic mi- microbial uh, molecular patterns. So let me tell you about some of the TLRs. TLR3 binds double-stranded viral RNA. TLR-7 binds uracil-rich single-stranded viral RNA. TLR-8 binds single-stranded viral RNA. And TLR-9 binds unmethylated cytosine, guanine, dinucleotide sequences, as they call them, CPGs, sequences, can be methylated, and that would be an epigenetic signature, right? And they're found in bacterial and viral genomes because the methylated CPG islands are more commonly found Uh, in promoter region, enhancer regions, of eukaryotic uh, DNA. So most of the TLRs, that's differentiation you see unmethylene versus methylene. Most of the TLRs that bind to viral components trigger the synthesis of cytokines of a specific class called interferons, and they block viral replication, so they interfere with viral replication. That's why they were named this way. And that particularly occurs in infected host cells. So, you also have signaling PRRs, pattern, pattern uh, recognition receptors, in cytoplasm. These include the NODs. These are the nucleotide binding oligomerization domain containing PRRs. And then you have the CARD containing proteins. And CARD stands for here, caspase Base Activating and Recruitment Domain. Okay. And these are, you know, again, these are these pattern recognition receptors. You also get something called RIG1, which is a retinoic acid inducible gene one, and an MDA5, which is a melanoma differentiation associated gene five. And those are all cytoplasmic sensors that bind viral RNA molecules produced in virally infected cells, you know, such as human cells. And they trigger the synthesis of cytokines, all called, under a grouping, subgrouping called interferons. Again, they block viral replication. This is part of the innate immune response that is triggered to stop or or to slow down the replication of viral pathogens, full stop. And that, of course, only is going to occur in an infected host cell, and they function very much like endosomal toll-like receptors they have these card-containing proteins and these nods. Remember, those are nucleotide-binding oligomerization domains. So this just gives you more floor detail of what uh, what we're talking about here. So infection with a virus or an intracellular bacterium as well will trigger an innate immune response through a specific cytosolic pattern recognition system. And the, inter- and the interaction of double-stranded RNA, which is going to be the uh, the first replicant uh, of a single-stranded RNA that moves through, be it a positive RNA or a negative RNA. And this is, uh, basically serves as a replication intermediate of the RNA-type viruses. So with the RNA helicase domain of the pattern recognition receptors, this is gonna be RIG1, remember that's retinoic acid inducible gene one or MDA5, okay? Uh, remember that's melanoma differentiation associated gene. And that's going to induce an interaction between the CAS-based recruitment domain, the CARD one, of the RIG-1, or of the MDA5. Again, now we're talking about protein domains, right? After infection with an intracellular bacteria or with a double strand, or, or excuse me, with a DNA virus. You can also have a double-stranded DNA activation of this system. That's why it's called nucleotide oligomerization, or the nod domains right? Because it can be RNA or DNA. All right. So I'm going to give you some pretty good detail here and explain this. Presence of a double-stranded RNA or DNA in this cytosol is, is a foreign molecular pattern. Typically, you would find no double-stranded RNA in a eukaryotic cell, unless it's viral, or sometimes it could be recognized as that because you do get some double-stranded-like structure in some ribosomal RNAs. And very rarely, but usually caused by mutations in an association with proteins, you might get some double strand character even of transfer RNA and messenger RNA. But it's not truly double-stranded. It's not that kind of molecule, but yet it can sometimes be mistakenly conferred as that. But if you have actual, frank, professional double stranded DNA or RNA in the cytoplasm, eukaryotic cell, that's going to trigger an innate immune response. And you're going to trigger a specific cytosolic pattern recognition system. Now, the interaction of the double stranded RNA which is, of course, this, as I mentioned before, replication intermediate of RNA viruses, with the RNA helicase domain of the pattern recognition receptors, RIG1 or MDA5, it will induce an interaction between the caspase recruitment domain of RIG1 or MDA5 and that same domain, the card-like domain of the adapter protein, which is located now on the mitochondrial membrane of the host. Now, the adapter has four alternative names. So you need to know this. One of them is fun. It's called CARDIF. So it's card adapter inducing interferon beta, right? And of course, interferon beta is IFN beta. You also have IPS, which is an IFNB promoter stimulator one. You have a MAVS, or mitochondrial antiviral signaling protein, and then you have the VISA, which is virus-induced signaling receptor adapter. Okay. And is, all of those are denoted as CARDIF, IPS-1, MAVS, VISA. Now, this receptor adapter interaction results in the activation of a TBK1 Which is also, which of course stands for tumor necrosis factor receptor associated factor or TRAF family member associated nuclear factor, Kappa B, which we know as NF Kappa B. Okay. So NF Kappa B activated protein binding kinase one is an important uh, player in this entire. Regimentive activity associated with this pattern recognition dealing with uh, nucleotides that are coming from single-stranded viruses going through a double-stranded RNA replicated form. So an activated TBK1 induces the phosphorylation of the interferon regulatory factor 3. We talked about this recently, the IRF3 and the IRF-7, a specific serine residues, and that results in their HOMO or hetero. Dimerization, uh, ERF3 to ERF7. And those dimers then translocate to the nucleus and activate transcription of type 1 interferon genes, that is, the IFNA and IFNB genes specifically. You also have cyclophilin B and TRAF3, which positively regulate the activation of that TBK1 activated IRF. Whereas another protein called Psyc, suppressor of IKB inhibitor, NF-kappa B kinase epsilon, can function as a negative regulator, so you don't turn on this pathway and get a hyperimmune response. See, all of this detail I'm giving you is this is where the detail is necessary to understand neurodegeneration in the aging brain, because these are the pathways that are resident and that can malfunction during aging. That's why the immune system is so important to understand down to this florid detail. Okay. So the expression of IRF7, RIG1, and MDA5 are all induced by type one interferon mediated signaling. And that process of course is essential for the amplification of the whole pathway. So you have a cis-trans peptidyl proleol isomerase, and you also have an NIMA interacting protein, which interacts with the phosphorylated form now produced of the IRF3, all of us in the nucleus. And what this will do was facilitate a polyubiquitinylation And then finally, proteasomal-dependent degradation of the IRF3, thereby terminating the function of the IRF3, because you have to turn it down after it has uh, successfully controlled the uh, replication process of the RNA, being triggered by the double-stranded RNA replicative form. So IRF7 might be regulated in a similar manner. Most likely it is, although there's some confusion in the literature between the mice and human cells. So you also have the FAD-D. That's the FAS-associated death domain. Talked about these last summer. And the RIP-1, which is a receptor interacting protein. I know it sounds cool, RIP, like rest in peace, right? This is all death domain pathway discussion. And that links up to the trap 6 And all that then interacts with this Cardiff IPS MABS visa. And they're all implicated in the fully-floored NF-kappa B activation pathway, which again results in the induction of a pro-inflammatory cytokine pathway, such as that gene will encode interleukin-6, which is a very powerful pro-inflammatory cytokine IL-6. Okay, so after infection, releasing the protein from the mitochondrial membrane and blocking downstream signaling of this whole Cardiff pathway, you will get then this pathway not only dealing with RNA and, and RNA viruses, but any double stranded DNA because of the crossover of those proteins involved. That is the Cardiff, the IPS, the Mavs, and the Visa. So you're dealing with anything that could be replicating inside the cell, anything intracellular. Virus is always and sometimes, of course, intracellular bacteria. not, so, for example, Listeria work, because Listeria will uh, uh, will function then with, will, will interact with whatever the potential of this pathway can provide. And ultimately you're gonna be having IKK and IK beta kinase pathways linked in, but I'm not gonna talk about those right now. But that gave you the full floor of detail. I hope that that was useful because I like to be able to give it to you before I move on, right? Now, all of that, uh, well, some of that I picked up way back in a Nature Reviews paper, a 2006 paper, and I brought it forward to 2021, okay? So to recap, cells that typically have pattern recognition receptors include macrophages, dendritic cells, endothelial cells, mucosal epithelial cells, and, of course, all the lymphocytes. (coughs) Excuse me, (laughs) So, on the surface, you have TLR2 that recognizes these are now the toll receptors, canonical features. Recognizes peptoglycan, bacterial lipoprotein, lipoteichoic acids, and porins. TLR4 recognizes LPS from gram uh, from the from the cell wall of bacteria, fungal mannans viral envelope proteins, parasitic uh, phospholipids from parasites and also heat shock proteins, which are, of course, going to be triggered in the host. TLR5 recognizes bacterial flagellin, um, and that's linked, of course, with the phagolysosome. TLR3 and TLR8, as I told you, are going to be recognizing viral uh, nucleic acid. TLR3 will recognize viral double-stranded DNA. TLR8 will recognize viral single-stranded RNA before the replication. Or post that making virion now, TLR9 recognizes viral and bacterial unmethylated CpG, and you have the nod one, the rig one. Remember the nod one recognizes a muramyl dipeptide, bacterial peptidoglycan, and rig one recognizes once again replicated viral RNA. Okay, so that recaps that. Now talk about the paper real quick. We don't have much time left right now, but. A paper in Oncotarget, which was published in 2016, I will put the reference in the show notes, tells us that the TLR4, of course, really important type 1 transmembrane protein. It's expressed, of course, on immune cells, but it's also found on certain cancer cells such as the cervical cancer, lung cancer, very prominent TLR4. Now, although the TLR4 profile varies in different tumor cells, what this paper suggests is that the expression of TLR4 and that entire signaling cascade are actually involved in tumor growth and ultimately process of metastasis. And of course, that includes cellular invasion, right? For example, TLR4 signaling increased COX-2, that's cyclooxygenase isoform-2, and then the product the product of that reaction, prostaglandin E2 signaling in early colorectal can- carcinogenesis, where it, it seems to inhibited programmed cell death, the apoptotic form, and promoted, unfortunately, angiogenesis in the colorectal cancer lineage. So TLR-4-mediated cancer growth involved in breast tumor progression, And regulation of TLR4 actually prevented breast cancer progression and survival. There you go. So TLR4 expressed in human lung cancer cells is functionally active, could play an important role in promoting the immune escape of uh, lung carcinoma, because it does so by inducing an immunosuppressive cytokine production. And therefore, resistance to programmed cell death. So TLR4 is a bad actor here because it acts as a functional receptor for pre-metastatic phase pulmonary metastasis. Reports that you find in the literature suggest that TLR4 that are expressed in human human tumor cells, and they're really, unfortunately, linked positively to cancer progression. Okay, so... Do we get a lot of cancer in the aging uh, system in humans? Yes. Another reason to be interested in TLR4. Now, recent studies show that TLR4 expression is suppressed by epigenetic mechanisms, done so by the methylation of DNA and histones, which are classical. And all that's recognized as a critical mechanism, which will, of course, modulate the expression of the TLR4 protein, right? first at the transcription level, then it, then after translation at the protein level uh, of the RNA. So it looks like methylation of the TLR4 promoter is associated with TLR4 silencing in a variety of lineages, including the intestinal epithelial and stem cell-derived vascular cells. But how this epigenetic mechanism plays down Uh, and how that methylation works is still a matter of a a heated amount of research. Looks like even the underlying progression of gastric cancer uh, involving TLR4 is now under, uh, 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 under the microscope, right? So de novo methylation and methylation mediated by transcription factor binding, which does occur during chromatin remodeling, can inhibit gene expression, and it does so via this receptor uh, motif or receptor binding motif to the methylated CpG islands. Following that methylation, methyl CpG binding domain, the MBD proteins we talked about, and those there's a whole family of those, MBD1, uh, et cetera, and the methyl CpG binding protein 2, which is also known as MECP2, which we talked about in Authentic Biochemistry last year, <clears throat> and all those are commonly recruited to the CPG site. They pre- repress transcription by recruiting a protein called SYN3A, okay? And this is going to then involve transcription factor SP1, and it's going to be co-localizing the TLR4 promoter. So this methylation then will actually act as an activator of this whole process. Consistent with all that, the methylation of the cytosine and CBG islands <clears throat> within this SP1 binding site will directly pre- uh, suppress SP1 binding ability. And so it looks like differential DNA methylation of the TLR4 promoter in gastric cancer expressing TLR4 at high and low levels is going to be an important mechanism with the underlying TLR4 transcription, with TLR4 silent cells showing an increased MECP2 binding and TLR4 upregulated cells showing an enhanced SP1 binding respectively to that TLR promoter. So I'm going to stop here because I'm completely out of time. And I'm going to say, this is Dr. Dan Gwerfel, Static Biochemistry Studios, saying bye for now.